And so I just want to continue a little bit more here on true worship. I hope you're learning something about worship. And uh, certainly we're not exhausting uh, the, the teaching uh, here about worship, but <clears throat> this is the fifth week in our series. And I just want to delve in to see how far we get here this morning, uh, trusting God's character. And one of our texts has been Psalm 43. God has put a new song in my mouth. Many will hear it and fear in trust. Somebody shall trust. And Phil talked about that and delved a little into that. But, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in God's character. James 4, 8, another verse that we've touched on in this series, come, series, come close to God. Who draws near first? We do. All right, a lot of times we sit back and we're in, we're in pain and agony. And, and, you know, how many know that we serve a God that the Bible says in Hebrews and he is not a God that is not touched with the pain and the infirmities of our flesh? There are times God reaches down and he pulls us up. Can I get an amen? That is the God we serve. But when it comes to our walk of faith and our growth, we are to draw near. We are to draw near. That's not a religious uh, treadmill, that is a, out of a life-giving relationship with the Lord, we draw near with a contrite heart. And he says, he will come close to you. So we initiate. And if you're feeling like, well, I don't really feel the Lord and feel his presence, are you drawing near? Amen? Are you drawing near? And it talks about washing your hands, your sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts. Talking about people that are double-minded. And so we said this uh, the last few weeks uh, the primary purpose of worship is for you, somebody shout you, <laughs> to minister to the Lord, not for him to minister to you. Now, we know this, that God is a giver. Isn't that right? He gives. He always gives. I mean, you plant one kernel of corn, how many of you know you get a lot more back? That's just the God. I mean, we started this little, uh, these little uh, cherry tomatoes in our little heat lamp thing, and with the water and the food, and it's amazing, they grow, and I, just one little seed in there produces many, many fruit. That is the God we serve. That is his nature. He always gives back. He always gives back. You know, and even in difficult situations, you know, we think about the troubles of Job. We remember the Job's trouble, and we just think, wow, what a tragedy. And it was. It was very tragic what Job went through. But it says this, the end of the Lord was good, and God gave Job double for his trouble. You know what? Talking about the cows and animals and sheep and that, and even more children. Even though he lost his kids, as painful, as agonizing as that was, someday he would be reunited with them. Can you say amen? So God does that. He's a giver. And I mentioned this the last few weeks. We don't want to confuse the purpose of praise and worship with the perks of it, praise and worship. And, and, and last week we touched on about uh, giving up control, that's what true worship is. And so this word in Psalm 43, uh, in our text, God has put a new song in my mouth. Many will hear it, fear and trust in the Lord, we said. That that word trust was an interesting Hebrew word. Uh, it means to throw down upon one's face, to lie, extend it on the ground. <clears throat> Clinging, holding into confidence, someone grabbing a hold. Now, I recognize here in this audience here this morning in the church how God has added and continually adds to the Harvest family. There are various backgrounds, religious backgrounds, and, and, and so when I talk about worship, I'm not coming from a denominational trying to get you to adopt. I'm coming from the teachings of the Word of God. 
of what worship is. And so Pastor Mike is not up here trying to get us to do something. No, I'm trying to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, allow you to learn to enter into a deeper level of worship with the Lord other than just surface, not a surface relationship. How many see that? Say amen. <laughs> but I like how the Message Bible translates this verse in Psalms 40. It says, he taught me how to sing the latest God song. You know, how many know God has more songs? Some of you musicians, you wonder, what's the newest song? God has a song as you D draw near to him in worship, he'll give you a God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this, and they are entering the mystery. So there's this mystery in worship. Abandoning themselves to God, they enter the mystery. And so, so there's this abandoning component, and we talked about that, and we said this last week. I'm just recapping quickly here. True worship is abandoning control of your life to God. That doesn't mean you, you know, like some kind of crazy Harry Krishna, you're mindless, jumping around. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about uh, giving up control, giving up control of our lives. And Lord, I will lift my hands. I will worship you. I will sing with my mouth. At times, I'll kneel before you, whatever. I'll prostrate myself before you. God, whatever you're requiring of me, I'm just going to give up control. Because I mean, you know, when we come, a lot of times church, we're in control. We worship in control. We leave the church in control. We come up for prayer. We're still in control, you know? God wants us to release and trust him in worship, amen? And so I just wanna say this. The more time you spend with God, the more he reveals himself to you, the more you're gonna know him. And you will never exhaust, I will never exhaust knowing God, ever, even in eternity, always. I mean, we talked about the, the elders that surround and the, the angelic beings that are constantly before his throne, receiving a new revelation of him for all of eternity. It's hard for my small little puny brain to, to grasp it, but that, that I believe that we'll never exhaust the knowledge of God. Amen? And so I want to talk to us today about trusting God's character. And uh, to really trust God more, we have to know his character, because we, the more we know his character, the more we can trust him. How many say amen to that? And so some things I want to touch on, I'm definitely not going to exhaust this, but when I talk about trusting God's character, I want to talk about some of the character traits. This is not a deep dive, this is really just touching on the surface. It's easy for us to trust God, or it's easy to give him control, if I could say it that way, when we begin to understand the nature and character of God. And we see the picture of God, the true picture through Jesus Christ coming on earth. But what are some of the, what are some of the traits? The first I would say is that God is omnipotent. Can we say omnipotent? <laughs> omnipotent. Omni means all, and potent means powerful. That's what it means. Here's the thing. God has all power. He, he's omnipotent power. What does that mean? He is all potent. He has all power. It's just not that he has some power. Watch this. It's not that he has the most power. He has all power. All power. I want that to sink in. And when it dawns on us that, that really he has all power, there's this part of us that we can really begin to trust him more. You know, the Bible says, in the beginning, God. The Bible says that God sits on the circle of the earth. And he, said, he says this, he said, the earth 
is his footstool. You ever seen a footstool? Some of you have little kids that the earth is his footstool, his feet. So when he, you know, when you think about it, God is not concerned. He's not worried about what's going on. What's going to happen with the elections this year? What's going to happen? God is not worried. Okay, we get fearful. We get full of fear. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is all power. Let me give you an example in Genesis chapter 22. It's the story of Abraham when God asks him to do this crazy outlandish thing to offer, offer excuse me, up his son, Isaac, his promised son, sacrifice. And so there's a, a New Testament book, Hebrews, that talks about this in reference, and it's Hebrews 11.19. I just want to read that. So this is the New Testament, if I can say, comment interpreting whether Paul wrote uh, Hebrews or we don't know whatever the author, but regardless of the story in Genesis 22. How many follow me? Say amen. So it says, for Abraham considered it reasonable to believe that God was able to raise Isaac even from the dead indeed, in the sense that he was prepared to sacrifice Isaac in obedience to God. Abraham did receive him back from the dead, figuratively speaking. So the writer of Hebrews recounts that Abraham did it, knowing, or the one, one new, new King James, I says, concluding, concluding that, 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 that says that God was even, he's the promised son. God said the promise would come through Isaac. So if I do this crazy act of obedience, God is, is going to raise him because he said the promise is going to come through Isaac. Let me see that. Amen. And here's the thing. He put his faith and trust in God in something that never happened before seeing somebody be raised from the dead. That's interesting. That's interesting. Even for us today, God at times calls us to trust him in things that make no sense, the things we can't really comprehend and understand at times. Does it make sense? We feel we need to do such and such or do this or that. And God has said, no, I want you to let this go in this moment. I want you to trust me in this season. Does it make sense? I shared this yesterday with the staff that America's in a winter season. Not just naturally speaking, winter, it's cold, it's hard, it's, people are struggling, they're concerned, they're fearful, there are just so many negative things happening, and, and if you feed on 24-7 of that, you will be a person full of anxiety. Guarantee you, you will be stressed out to the max. And if some of you are wondering, oh, that's a revelation today, back off of it. How about plugging into some more worship? And, you know, sometimes I just shut it off. It's like, it's too much. It's just too much. Feed on what the Lord has for us. But we're in a, a winter season. But how many of you know that even if you do the right thing at the right time, God will bless it? And he will lead you and direct you to do that. It was crazy. It was the most outlandish thing to start to build a church during COVID. But that was the right thing at the right time. Amen. It really was. It really was. And, and, and God blessed it. God blessed it. So he knows what is the right thing at the right time. We just need to hear from him. And so uh, Abraham, he in this moment, <clears throat> he had to give up control. He had to obey God. He knew he obeyed God. And I just kind of put down talking about God's omnipotence like, okay, what would his reasoning be? And I thought, well, okay, if I do this seemingly crazy, ask from God, and he's the all-powerful one, and he's asking me to do it, and he's already told me once again that, that through the seed, through Isaac, my, the promise, the promised son, 
that, that, that the seed is coming through Isaac, so, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Then, then it's not going to be hard for God to even raise him from the dead. Wow. That is faith right there. <laughs> even though, once again, I have no past reference of this. This makes no sense. But I want to show you what true worship is. So Abraham, the Bible says, took Isaac. He walked up the hill, and he's about to start. And um, he, they've gathered firewood. And, and then the Bible says just, uh, he says this little line to the guys that are with him. And in Genesis 22, 5, I do believe I have that verse pulled up here. The Bible says, so Abraham said to his servants, watch this, you two stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go up there, and we will worship and then return to you. What is that? God offered him. He could have just said, we're going to go up and just make an offering. And then it could have been. But he says, we're going to go worship God and we're coming back. There was something he knew about the nature and character of God. So he could give up control and trust God. When we understand God, begin to. I don't want to say understand. Begin to. We will for all eternity be learning to understand the nature and character of God. When we begin to, that's when we can truly worship. You know, some Bible scholars say that Isaac, he had to be a, he had to be a teenager. He wasn't a baby. He wasn't a baby. And because some believe that he was in between the age of 15 to 17. Some even say up to the age of 37 years old. Isaac. Now think about this. Because one translation, Genesis 22, 6, says, Abraham took the wood from the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac. You don't load a stick, you know what I mean? You don't load wood on a baby. He carried this up, so he had to be a young man. And he's wondering, okay, where's the offering, Dad? We got the wood, we got the fire, what's going on here? So there was even, Isaac had to trust God of what's going on. This is heavy. This is heavy. So a baby can't do that. And so here's the thing. We see that God did not at all want Abraham to actually kill his son. He knew this is the promise. But I believe what God was looking for is, Abraham, can you trust me in all things, in things that you cling to here in this life that are so dear to you, that are the most important to you, come on, family, that you will put me first before them. Wow. What? You know what? The most important thing in my life right now is my kids, my family, my God. I get, yes. The most important thing as a believer is the Lord God Almighty in your life. Secondly, your wife, your husband, and your kids. Come on. The older you get, the more you appreciate that. <laughs> and then you love grandkids. Amen? <laughs> Can give them back. Here, take them back. The dirty diaper. Take them back. They're really manifesting right now. Take them back. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And so, so, so we see that, that Abraham, he truly loved Isaac, but he was willing to, uh, uh, to, 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 to give him up. And, and, and the Bible says this, that God wanted to see if Abraham loved him more than his beloved own son Isaac to give him up. And you know, I wrote this down. The Bible is emphatic on its teaching that humans possess free will and are capable of originating evil. In other words, we see that, that we have the ability to choose. And it says this, that God is always, there are times in the scriptures the Bible talks about, I will come down when he talked with uh, uh, Abraham, and, and I will see about Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, if God knows everything about everything, why does he have to come down and see? Have you ever thought about that? He knows they're wicked. What is this? I believe there's something in the teaching of the human free will that God has given us as a gift that, that, 
that God observes. He observes your free will. He observes you saying, you say you love me? Well, he knows everything I'm going to do. You, that means you're a robot, and I don't believe that. Now, some believe and teach that, that everything. If I pick this up, God knew I was going to pick that up. Come on, people. I picked it up because I wanted to pick it up. <laughs> and is, does that take away from God's omnipotence? No, it doesn't. It actually enhances it because he has given us, I believe, a free will in situations to choose. He says this in Deuteronomy 30, 15, I set before you life and death. You choose life now. Well, how can I choose something if he's already determined I should choose it? It's just my faulty reason. Just forgive me, but that's how I think. <laughs> and so he gives, Ezekiel 18 talks about it, about death and life. And, and so God gives us the ability to choose. And he sees the act of faith of Abraham, and it just solidifies, I think, the story with us and what God wants to do. And so here's what basically Abraham's saying. He's saying, like, okay, first we're going to go up and we're going to obey God. Somebody shout obey. Really, true worship is obedience. It's obedience. It's obeying God. But as we go in obedience, we're also, when we're there, there's a point we have to abandon. See, you were obedient, I believe this, in coming to church to worship God. You are obedient to God because you love him. But there's, when we come, God is even asking something more further. He's asking us to abandon ourselves, to release these situations to him, abandoning control of the Almighty. And this is, this is where I think he thought. He thought, I'm just going to abandon myself. Everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. God is going to, and, and how does this work out practically for you and I? God's going to work out. If I abandon this situation to God, I'm going to trust him that he's going to provide for me. He's going to provide for me supernaturally. He's going to do the impossible, the, the impossible. Only he can do that, but I'm going to trust you, Lord, in this situation. It's an impossible situation, but I'm going to trust you in it. Wow. Impossible, trying, difficult situation. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying this morning that if you let the Holy Spirit be in control, if you allow him to take control, you're not going to be weird. You're going to be more normal. Well, I knew a lady, she was really spiritual and she was weird. That was on her. That's not the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's not, you know, she was just, she'd have been weird without the Holy Spirit. Okay, <laughs> come on. Just keep looking straight ahead. Amen. <laughs> or man, or man. Let me just add that in. <laughs> so, but he'll take care of us. So once again, we're truly worshiping when we yield control of the, to the all-powerful one. And here's the thing. Worship is not two fast songs and three slow ones. Okay? That, well, wouldn't. Now we're off the praise songs. Now we're on the worship songs that we worship. No, worship is, is abandoning control. It's, it's releasing to God. It's surrendering to him. It's, it's offering up. And for some of you, a massive step may be to lift one hand. Wow, he's radical. She's radical now. No, you're just worshiping God. The Bible talks about lifting up holding hands. Lifting up holding hands. Lifting them up before the Lord. Anyhow, very quickly, number two, I would just say, uh, another thing about God's character, we see he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, that he's also omniscient. Omniscient here, the, the second omni uh, is, uh, it means science. All science or all knowledge. Here's the thing, God has all knowledge about everything. 
And I know we've been fed during COVID to believe the science. Come on, somebody. And there was a big deal about believing what the scientists say. And they have to be right, And uh, I think. And we eventually found out that how many know some were wrong and some even lying. And, and some were even silenced because they were right. Anyhow, not trying to be political here, but we learned a lot. Do we? Yes. But I'm going to tell you one scientist who is always right, and that's the one that has all knowledge that is God Almighty. Can I get an amen? He's the one we need to believe right now in our life. He's the authentic scientist. He knows all. He's the one we need to put our trust in. His name is Jesus. He is the omniscient one. And, you know, it was interesting, too, even many uh, prophets, so on so to be said during that time we're prophesying and I do remember this I do remember this during COVID when it hit in the beginning of 2020 and they were saying this is going to be a brief stint and it just be a few weeks it'll pass next thing you know you know Easter came it was still there it'll be gone by Easter we'll see it in the rear view mirror and uh, it still was there and uh, past Pentecost. And it was a few years. I mean, even, you know, now I think they're just releasing some of the restrictions in some places. But, um, but we opened Pentecost Sunday and we have not closed. So, you know, we're just moving forward in that. But, but the point was is that, you know, we have to trust God's omniscience in these things. And when we yield control, we can trust someone who knows everything about us. Amen. But there are things I just shared, too, that, that, that I think, if I could say it this way, we can prove to God our love. I don't mean in a work sense, but in an obedient sense. If you love me, he says, you will obey me. Got awfully quiet here this morning. Isn't that right? If you love me, you will obey me. Wow. Um, talking about giving up control and to the all-knowing God and uh, there's a story in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel 15. I don't have it on a slide, but let's give you quickly the background a little bit. David is fleeing the city of Jerusalem after being king for many years. Well, why? His son, Absalom, uh, became a usurper. There's a whole story behind what happened and uh, one of the brothers, you know, doing something illicit with one of his sister, Tamar, and he was angry, he was in unforgiveness, and, and he's going to take over David's kingdom, and he did. He did. And so what happens is, is Absalom takes over, he wins the heart of the people. How did he do that? The Bible says that Absalom went to the city gate, and he took every complaint of the people. You know, David wasn't there, but he went there and he went to, took every complaint. So what's the matter? What? Well, you know, David said he was going to do this. And he said, well, help me with that. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. I'll help you. Oh. He was a manipulator. And, he, and it says he won the hearts of the people. Promise. And he took over the kingdom. And he thought he was usurping the kingdom. But see, God didn't call Absalom. He called David. <laughs> and so, so what does David do? David doesn't say, that's it. Who are you think you're doing? Whatever. Yeah, this is mine. This is my kingdom. David goes, I'm leaving. Not going to fight. Not going to fight this battle. I'm not going to fight this battle. He just leaves. And he says, you know what? I'm going to just trust God in a sense. He's going to take care of it. There's a family mess going on. My kids are a mess. They're crazy. They're running wild. I'm going to trust God in this. And so on his way out, he notices Zadok, the high priest. He has the Ark of the Covenant, and Zadok's going with him. And so usually those, the kings that had the Ark that were with them, it was like the Lord was on their side, amen? 
And so, you know, that's where you know, we just think, okay, how many can we get on our side to help us? And no, David even says with the ark, he says, listen, Zeta, you're a seer, you're a prophet, you know what's going on. I want you to bring the ark back, put it back in the city, and don't bring it. And he tells them, bring it back. He says, here's the thing, David, David says this to Zadok. He says, bring it back to the city because if God wants to, he can bring me back. And if not, then oh well, my life is in his hands. I'm going to get into something here that may ruffle some of your feathers, but it's true. It's true. There are many times in life that I think actually God is talking about surrender here this morning. I sense it. The Spirit of God is talking about us to surrender afresh and new, trusting his character. But you know what? Sometimes, in, many times in life, we always feel we have to fight for everything. Now watch this. I got to fight for my rights. I got, it's unfair. I got to fight to be heard. If I don't, nobody will. Uh, I got to fight in my job. You know, I got a promotion. I got to fight for that promotion. And I got to fight for this or that, my will. If, and if I don't, nobody's going to fight for me. Mm. That's a lie. We serve a God that'll do battle on behalf of you if your heart is right. And my wife and I are, are testimony of that. There was uh, a time and a season where there was family issues when I lived out east. And, you know, you get eight Italians and Irish people together, and that can be toxic, you know. <laughs> and everybody's pitting against everybody. Everybody's like, who did what? Who did that? Whatever. And uh, thankfully, through the decades later, we just leave everybody alone in that respect. But, but it was always this back and forth and and I remember when we left to come out here to Minnesota, it was a very, it was a divine moment for me. I just felt, and I told my wife, I said, Rhonda, I said, we just need to forgive everybody and go to everybody and ask for forgiveness and move on. I didn't want to have that carried over to here in Minnesota. And so I went there as hard as it was, and some of them was like, I didn't do anything wrong to them. Come on, somebody. Right? I didn't do anything wrong to them. And there's an issue. So what did I, I went to them. It's like, I just ask your forgiveness. And I'm just, please hear me, I'm just sharing this to help some of you, not as I've arrived. I still have to do that, okay? We still do. I just, I'm sorry, we disappointed you or whatever it was, hug them. And, and when we left, I was free. I was free. Didn't have any of that carrying weight with me. Some of you, God wants to set you free from stuff that's been holding on. I really feel that even this morning, right now in this moment, by the Spirit of God. But, but it's like if you feel, if, if, if I don't fight for me in this situation, nobody will. Sometimes God might be asking you to give up control in that area. What do I mean? Giving up control. Let me just pull this verse up to address this a little bit more, and we're going to take communion. Then the king said to Zadok, return the ark of God to the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place again. But if he should say, I do not delight in you, David, then here am I. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. Talk about omniscient, all-knowing God, trusting in him and his character. David is saying this in essence, God, I'm going to trust you that you know more than I do in this situation. Watch this. I'm not going to justify myself with my own son, which I could. I'm not going to try to save face in this moment. Listen, I know this is, some, this, is, this is heavy stuff, 
But I, this is a component to the nature and character of God. And I think he, he wants us to, to, to open our hearts up in, this, in areas in our life. I'm not going to try to save face. I'm going to trust you with my life in future. You, God, can do whatever you seem fit to me. I'm going to surrender to you in this moment. Wow. Now, how many know there are times we need to stand and fight? Come on. Can I get some amens to that? Absolutely. But we're not talking about that here. In this message, I'm not talking about. We're addressing worship and trusting God. We're talking about giving up the control of our life to him. And how many know that God knows more than we do? And when we begin to, excuse me, begin to learn of his nature and his character, we begin to trust him more in our life. You know, there's a verse, I don't think I've heard many people preach on it, especially in this day and age, because it is real inflammatory in this day. Uh, just, just the culture. But Isaiah 53, 7, and when I read this, some of you are going to like, well, wait a minute, you know, but just hear it for this moment. Isaiah 53, 7 says, speaking about Jesus, the Messiah, on the cross, and it says this, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth to complain or defend himself. Think about that. He didn't, he didn't keep silent. He spoke during the cross, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. My God, my God. He, you know, so, so he wasn't a pacifist, but, but in that moment, he trusted in the sovereignty of God to trust in his all knowledge. I think of a story. Um, <clears throat> well, I think of Daniel. The opposite of that is there was a decree that went out that said what? It said that the decree went out and said, do not pray. I don't want anyone praying for 30 days. Daniel heard that. What did Daniel do? said he opened up his windows, he faced the city, and he prayed. Because why? When it comes time and the government says, you cannot pray, you cannot worship, you got to stand up. Okay? You're not passive. But we're not talking about that in a moment. We're talking about surrendering to worship. Okay? So please understand. I mean, we hopefully were a, a church that prevailed through that season. I want to tell you the story personally uh, that affected me uh, growing up in the 80s, all right? Uh, how many remember Jim Baker and the PTL Club? Okay, okay. <laughs> I was in Bible school, 1988, and uh, I'm almost done here. And <clears throat> this guy was the top of ministry broadcasting, television, internet, none of that was going on as far as I, I know back then. Uh, <laughs> and he took in $150 million yearly in his ministry. Uh, there was guys named Jerry Falwell at that time, uh, Jimmy Swagger, come on. I mean, like, he sold 60 million in records. Do you remember records? <laughs> and then there was Pat Robinson. I think he lived to 180 years old. Uh, he, they, he had the Seven Home Club that's still going on. So these were the big names when I was a kid, is what I'm trying to say, Okay. You can think of them today. Now it's the Pastors with Sneakers Club or whatever. And anyhow, um, but Jim Baker and his wife Tammy Faye, she was in the forefront. And if you know a little bit about her, with her long eyelashes, the heavy makeup, and she had some wild hair. And they had some crazy guests on the show. I never really watched it, but I knew of his ministry. All right, and <clears throat> she was very eccentric and. And so he writes a book in 1996 in his autobiography, and the book was titled I Was Wrong, and he actually goes to prison. And after he got out of prison, he was, con he was convicted, though, before with financial fraud, and 
There's a whole Jezegahan situation, this mistress, and he was sent to 45 years in prison. So I do have a point, so just follow with me. His sentence was later reduced to eight years, and he was released in 1994 after serving five years and then went on parole. Here's the thing. He's back on TV selling Just Add Water Survival Kits. Go figure. I don't know, but anyhow, he tells a story in his book, okay? This is the point. Uh, of another prisoner that was incarcerated with him when he was in prison. And this guy would come as he worked out in the gym up to him and go, I'm going to put a shank in you. I'm going to kill you. I know who you are, Jim Baker. I'm going to kill you. And he did this every day. And Jim was just a little guy, horrified. He's in prison. And this guy harassed him. And how I many know that's a real threat? Okay, that's a real threat. And so the guys would meet with him. He had some high top-end friends that would come in and meet with them, and, and they would ask him, like, Jim, what's going on? There's something going on. He's like, I, I'm just getting this threat, and someone wants to kill me. Okay, just tell us who it is, and we'll have him removed from the prison. We'll have him removed. He said, I, I'm not going to do that. I, what do you mean you're going to do that? I just, I don't know. Tell us who it is. Tell us who this guy is. We can easily have him sent to another prison, and, and you'll be okay. And he prayed, and he said this. is that, God, if you basically, I'm paraphrasing, if you deem my life is still worthy of something in the midst of this mess and embarrassment that I've created globally, okay, I'm going to trust you with my life. My life is in your hands, Lord. If not, I'm a dead man. You know what? He writes, he says, a few months later, that prisoner was transferred to another prison. Nobody knew who about or what it was. Once again, to really trust God more, we have to know his character more. Because the more we know of his character, the more we can trust him. Stand with me if you would, please, this morning. Psalm 43 says, David taught me. The Lord taught me. David says, how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to God. We enter the mystery, abandoning ourselves, abandoning ourselves to God. They enter the mystery. Here's the thing. David writes this psalm, and most theologians believe that he wrote that song when he's actually running or on the run from Absalom, who usurped his kingdom. That's what they believe, this psalm, when we talk about trusting God. So in the midst of his family turmoil, rape, assault, no one's talking to each other. Bitterness, anger. Sons overthrowed his kingdom. He's tucked tailing and running out. David writes this song. He taught me how to sing the lay in his God song. A praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this as they enter the mystery. And Lord, I'm going to abandon myself to you. I can't work this out. This is so crazy. Not that I have a mess with my family. Not that I have a mess in my relationships and my spouse. And Now it's even at work. The kingdom, I'm kicked out. I'm on the run hiding now. My son has usurped me. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you. Doesn't make sense in this moment. But I'm going to abandon myself to you. In the midst of this family pain, this betrayal, this disloyalty. David writes, he's put a new song in my mouth. And I'm going to give up control in this situation. Friends, when you truly worship, there is a mystery that happens. 
there's a mystery that happens. And that mystery is as you abandon yourself to God, watch as God steps in, He takes over, and He leads you out of the mess because you've abandoned yourself to Him. Every head bowed here this morning, if you would, please. Thank you, Lord God. I want to challenge us here this morning as we conclude. About to receive communion. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've never given up control. I've always been in control, even in my quote-unquote faith. And I feel the Spirit of God is putting His his presence is here, but He's put His finger on many of our lives here this morning. The Lord is saying, I I want you to give up control in this situation. There's something here I'm going to share in a moment about forgiveness as we take communion, but in this moment, say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not truly born again. I don't have that assurance of salvation, but I want to. I'd like to lead us in a brief prayer. It's a powerful prayer. It's a very costly prayer, but it is the most important prayer you could ever pray in your life. And it's to welcome and receive Christ in your life. You're here this morning. If you've never done that, you never truly abandoned, given up control, surrendered to the Lord, I want to lead you in a prayer where you can receive Christ in your life and you can give up control and he will become the Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you this morning, pray with me. Say this, say, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Jesus, today I give up control. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. In Jesus' name, amen.